Here at Making Movies is Hard, we want to express our support for the WGA strike as well as the SAG-AFTRA strike. We encourage our filmmaker comrades to look into how best they can be allies for the good fight. Please go to WGACONTRACT2023.org to support the cause. Also, please check out SAGAFTRA.org for additional resources. Making movies is hard, but casting for your movie doesn't have to be. With Casting Calls America, you can post your open roles for free in over 30 local markets nationwide. And when you post your roles, they will automatically post to IMDb Pro to get even more eyes on your project. All actor submissions are delivered to your user-friendly dashboard, making your casting process easy. You can even search our actor databases and invite actors you're interested in to audition to your project. Actors pay a small monthly fee and have all open roles delivered to their inbox each day. Get your project started today. It's casting made easy at castingcallsamerica.com. You know, making movies is hard. Making movies is hard. Welcome, this is the podcast about the struggle of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Bussell, the founding host of the podcast, and I'm a sci-fi horror filmmaker, and my first feature film, The Alternate, is out now on digital DVD and Tubi. I'm Liz Mish, I'm a writer, director, producer, has made two features, Bread and Butter and Speed of Life, and I'm currently developing others, including a horror comedy called Best Friends Forever. I'm a distribution consultant who does sales, and I used to manage the creative distribution initiative at Sundance. On this Thursday bonus episode, we're going to play the interview from episode 183 back in November 2018 with three different listener call-ins, which is this is something Timothy wanted to do right before he left. He was really excited to have three different people call in and talk about other experiences making movies. And I think this is a good match for Jen because she's such a Jill of all trades. Like she just does so many different things. I thought it would be fun to hear from three different people in completely different stages in their filmmaking journey, you know, about what they're doing and how they're approaching their films. After that, we play another round of You're the Expert. But first, don't forget to check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash mmihpodcast. This is the way the show continues to thrive, to grow, to, to exist. Thank you all to uh, all the donors and uh, supporters on our Patreon page. One ninety nine a month gets you access to our over 300, well, it's not over, it's exactly 350 episodes uh, in our back catalog. And, you know, once we hit episode 450, then that number will go up to 400 in the back catalog. So that's the way to uh, get access to everything that we've ever done. And we, we really appreciate all your support in keeping the show alive. But without any further bibble babble, here's our throwback interview of a listener, Collins. All right, here they are. Hey, Megan, Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you. Yeah. So are you guys in the middle of filming or you just finished filming? What's I forget what you said in your email now. Yeah. So we just finished two days ago. Oh, amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So tell us our first question is, and we're going to, we're going to keep this brief so we can get right to the good stuff, which is the advice that you're looking for is um, where do you guys live and what do you do to pay your rent? Sure. We live in Wilmington, North Carolina and paying your rent is another um, struggle. But I, <laughs> Megan, <laughs> um, I work at um, a place called Actors Arsenal, taping folks for audition videos and teaching an acting class. Nice. Cool. Yes. And obviously, I live in Wilmington, North Carolina as well. And I just jump around from job to job. Um, I quit my job right before we started filming. 
So now wow. I'm looking for a new one, but I used to do sales calls. Super okay. exciting. Uh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> hey, man, we all got to pay the bill somehow, right? It really is true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how long have you, have you guys been making films together as a team for a while? Or is this your first one? No, this is our first feature, but we met four years ago in an acting class and we started making films, short films there. Okay, cool. How many short films did you guys make together? So we have made five total and then the feature. Um, so yeah, six total. Okay, cool. cool. Good. So that, I think that gives us a pretty good sense. Um, one last question is what's your, what are your goals with your filmmaking? Cause uh, your question has to do with like keeping the momentum up is, is this like something you're looking to make a career out of? Yeah. So we started off as actors first. And mm-hmm. the reason why we started making films in the first place was because we wanted to create interesting characters for ourselves and our friends. And then we discovered that we really liked the filmmaking aspect of it as well. Um, and after doing this or right before doing this feature, we discovered that we really love storytelling and bringing people together and telling stories that might not always be heard um, with some underrepresented people. And so what your ultimate goals, like how many films are you hoping to make in your lifetime? We just want to keep going. (laughs) I think our really our goal is to just continue to make film after film when we finish one to be ready to start, you know, pre-production on another, whether it's our film or um, like our script or a script from a friend, um, just to always be creating. Um, And of course, dream scenario is each film would bring finances to then fund the next one in a better way so that we would continue to just build. (laughs) Yeah you know, sustainable right, career, <laughs> right? So I mean, we that's, can, that's everyone's dream, right? Yeah. It's pretty yeah. much the filmmaking dream, right? And um, yeah, so that's our hope. Okay, so I'm going to read how you guys worded this in the email. It says, uh, I've been working on my first, no, this that's the wrong one. You said, how do you balance completing your current project while preparing for the next without sacrificing quality on either? Basically, we don't want to finish our current feature and then have a three-year lull until our next project. We'd like to keep the momentum going without sacrificing on post-production. Well, Can you expand on that a little bit? <laughs> sure. Um, well, as you know, independent filmmakers, we're doing all the jobs. Um, and so... When we're working on a project, it takes like 100% of our focus um, and all of our energy to do it. And so when it is completed, then sometimes, at least with our short films, we have been at a like standstill. Like, whoa, we just did that. But now what? Um, (laughs) Once it's wrapped up. Uh And so our hope is to, instead of saying now what, to say, okay, let's go ahead and start dot 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 like location scouting for this next short or this next feature <laughs> whatever let's get, start doing the let's keep it right, going let's start the next project now rather than waiting for this one to be finished so that's what i'm hearing is that in this this happened to me too like i i think i ended up in my short films making one every two to three years because 
each of them was its isolated project. Mm-hmm. Right. And so exactly. you're trying to figure out a way to increase the pace at which you make your films. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, there's a lot of ways you could go about that. I mean, one would be to already have another script ready uh, beforehand, you know? So if you had multiple features that you'd written before starting this first one, then, you know, you just, you know, as soon as you're done with this one, you'd, you have a script you can already start with and maybe do a couple of rewrites and then just go right into making it. But mm-hmm. I take it that you probably don't have another script ready. We, we, so yeah, I have, uh, one feature that's like halfway done and then, uh, a pilot idea. So there's, I have three projects that are half, half done. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I guess the other thing, too, that I've noticed is that, you know, like filmmakers really want to make films, right? Like we want to just go out there, mm-hmm. get get our, our uh, get our feet on the ground and go out and make our next thing. Mm-hmm. But the, the filmmakers I see that are really successful are the ones who really see their project through mm-hmm. in post-production and then not just through post-production, but through marketing and film festivals and, and the whole deal. So really, like when the movie's done... You, like the shooting of it, you still have probably like one to two more years with that movie before, you know, that project is completely finished, you know, um, right. which is, I, I can tell like what you guys want to avoid, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> we love that stuff too. Um, but yeah, maybe we're riding the high of just completing uh, principal photography and we want to keep doing that too. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel like the only way that you can create a sustainable model where you're creating film after film after film is if you have a team of people to support you mm-hmm. the only way that Woody Allen can make a movie every year is because he has enough people to make that a possibility he doesn't have to worry about entering film festivals and finding distribution and all that stuff that happens on the back end of our films because yeah I mean Really, for all of us, it takes no longer than a year to make a film once you have a script. It's all the other stuff that comes along with it that usually drags it out for the most part. So I think Ulrich is right in that you have to have scripts lined up or you have to have enough bandwidth to be able to write a script and produce a film in a year in order to keep that momentum going. But because we're independent filmmakers, Mm -hmm. you guys are going to have to see your film through and you are going to have to enter film festivals and go to those film festivals and find distribution. And that takes a lot of time and energy. So you're not going to be able to dedicate the, I think dedicate your mind to another project until you're really kind of finished with one, unless you have a team of people to help you. That makes sense. Very, very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's almost like you want to impress the hell out of some producer or Mm -hmm. potentially a writer producer who has work that you're interested in that that you would want to direct and then have that writer producer just pair pair up with you. And so, you know, or even multiple writer producers, right? So you have like one person who's like prepping the next project, working on it. And then when you're done shooting, it's like, okay, all right, uh, Hannah and Megan, let's go do the next one. And then like you have another person working on something else and then you just, you leapfrog, you know? Um, I think that's how like professional directors manage it, but I think that's really hard at an independent level because, well, A, there's so many of us, right? So, yeah. you know, find, finding a producer who's going to want to work with you specifically when you're just starting is going to be really hard, you know? Um, and then, uh, just 
yeah, having the energy and the resources to pull that off in the first place, I think is really challenging. Too. Yeah, and that's not even to mention the funding part of it. The other way Woody Allen's able to make a movie every year is because he has the funding. No matter what he does, there's a team of people that's willing to fund his movies because he can make them for $2 million and they know they can make money off of them. You guys are going to have to prove yourselves as financially viable filmmakers before you can find that kind of pool of money that keeps coming. So I know, I know a director that... Um, a few years ago, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a zombie movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in it. Oh, are you talking about Megan or whatever? And that's not Megan. It was like a, a, yeah, it was a girl's name. Um, oh, uh, is it me? Rose. Wait, Do you remember? Morgan? Maybe it's Morgan. I don't something know. Like I could that. be completely wrong. It's like <laughs> something like that. I think it's an M name. I, it, but yeah, I think it's... I'm sorry. I, this, it has nothing to... The movie itself has nothing to do with the story. I just... I, tr- I tried watching it. It's like the one Arnold movie I can't want. I couldn't get through. Okay, well, um, maybe it does He's not shooting enough people in that movie. You know, maybe it does matter a, then. So he made this movie. That was his first feature. He directed it. And he was, like you guys, really hungry to get his next one done. He like, he's like, wanted to go and... His agent management, they basically said to him, you can't do anything else until this movie comes out. We have to see how this movie does because no one's going to take a bet on you until they know if people even care about what you're doing. You know who broke that mold? Who's extremely famous? Who's that? Denny Villeneuve. Villeneuve. You know, because he did um, Enemy. Enemy Enemy was first. Yeah. And I love Enemy, and, that, and it's also because it's really similar to my feature. Uh, but then, before Enemy came out, he he shot Prisoners, and then Prisoners came out before Enemy, in, at least in this country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Enemy came out after, and so it was really interesting because like his first feature is a small, you know, well, I mean, it's a pretty big movie. It's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it, for <laughs> crying out loud. Yeah. But uh, compared to Prisoners, it's much smaller. And it was really interesting to like see prisoners come out and be like, oh wow, this is the first time director, and then realize, oh no, he made a much smaller movie first. Um, right. Well, yeah. that's true. I mean, it can happen in different ways. And same thing with um, John Hughes. So John Hughes, the same thing with Pretty in Pink and Breakfast Club. Like he made those films within a year of each other because he made two separate deals. I think Breakfast Club was supposed to be his first movie, but he already got a deal to shoot Pretty in Pink. And then somebody else came in and wanted to do breakfast clubs. And they're just two independent deals that had nothing to do with each other. So he was able to shoot two movies really quickly. But unless you guys can find that, then I think my advice would be just focus on getting this movie done and and getting it out there and trying to make a success out of it. So it will open up new doors for you guys. And um, keep this, this idea of like... A, making a a movie more often and try to figure out how to make that a reality. But I don't think you need to worry about making it a reality right at this very moment. Right. True. Yeah. Is that discouraging? Did we just discourage you guys? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I haven't given my, my advice yet. So maybe you'll be encouraged at the end. (laughs) Good. Yeah. Go ahead. No, Alric, you should give your advice. Well, I I have a question for, for Hannah and Megan first. Um, how how do you guys work together? Are you co-writers, co-directors? Like what's your relationship um, on set? Yeah. So it depends on what the project is. But for this one, um, we're co-creators. And then I wrote the script. Megan looks over it. We're like, this feels whatever. And then I go back, rewrite. And then we co-directed this film together. 
and we were we we're in it as well and co-producers and it's kind of unique we um competed in a competition called hometown heroes on seed and ah, spark yeah so seed and spark is a great place for filmmakers to crowdfund they did not tell me to say that. It's just my experience. <laughs> it sounds a little like a commercial. So, sounds familiar. <laughs> it did sound kind of commercially when it came out, but it's for real. Um, Emily Best and her team are amazing. Did you, uh, do you guys win Hometown Heroes, perchance? We won Hometown Heroes. So we did. <laughs> we did. Wow. So Mark wow. and Jay Duplass are producing our film. Um, wow congratulations yeah thank you so it's still kind of surreal it was a year ago um this week that we won and so it's been a really incredible experience um but that doesn't really answer your question that's how we together produced it and crowdfunded um but on set hannah and i have just a really unique relationship as far as co-directing and also them being in the scenes together. Um, so yeah. It was a cool experience. That's awesome. A, f- a couple things. First off, we've had another guest on the show who also was competing in that Hometown Heroes competition the same year that you guys were. Obviously, they did not win. Uh, but I think they were like the top 10 uh, yeah. finalists and they got like a thousand bucks or something. Yes, I um, listened to her podcast. I listened to oh, you her did? episode. Oh, yeah, cool. Maria. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Maria. Yeah. 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 But, um, gosh, I have so many questions about that experience, which we don't have time for, but maybe on another episode later. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. But, but, but what, I, what I was getting at was that maybe, you know, because, like, he, he, here's what I, my take on all this. It, it doesn't really have to do with, like, finding some secret to, you know, finish your movie and then immediately start making the next one. It's all about energy level and mm-hmm. commitment level and mm-hmm. determination because, what I've noticed through the people that we've interviewed and filmmakers I know is that they'll finish their first movie and then it'll have beaten them into the ground like so hard that it takes like years before they can get back up and make the next one. If, if they ever even ever make a next one. Right. So my advice would be less than trying to brush and do it before this movie is finished. Like what Timothy said, finish this movie, do it right. But then like, immediately like keep that energy up mm, and immediately yep. go into the next one like and and that's all on you like that doesn't have to anything to do with anybody else that that's all achievable just through your own gusto you know um and maybe it will be like six months or a year before you start the next project but that's just the natural progression of filmmaking you know right. um yeah I uh, like there's that. another guest <laughs> oh cool energy <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You have to have all the energy in the world. Basically. You do. You do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, previous guest, Liz Manischel, um, she's, she's able to do that. She did her first movie. I think it came out in like 2016, maybe. Uh, and then she just finished her second feature that she, she's in post in now. So, I mean, that wasn't so fast, but I mean, it seemed like as soon as that, that movie was like being released and like getting, like just got distribution and she was already closing funding on her second. So I feel like that's really what you have to be able to do is just like move fast. Yeah. Yeah. And incredible. just know that for Liz, it took her longer than she thought it was going to take. I think she was like hoping to get into production within a year of her <laughs> last feature. Right. And I think it ended up taking two years. So yeah. when you start now, 
then it might take two years for you guys rather than three years. So mm-hmm. start as soon as you can, but just also be okay that it might take some time. And that is the natural progression of films. You can't really control it too much, but I agree with all work. Use the momentum you have and the enthusiasm you have and just figure out what you can do right now. I think if you have a script that's half finished, use your energy to finish it. And then yeah. once you get to the end of it and you're excited to go shoot it, then you can get into the pre-production phase of that film wherever you are with the current one. That's yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And since there's two of you, which is another <laughs> blessing, <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, one of you can be like focusing on writing the next feature while the other one takes the lead on post. And then like after that one person takes the first draft of, of the feature done, then you guys flip flop. And then like the other person goes to focus on, on working picking up post where the other one left off and then the other one works on the feature. And then, you know, before you know it, you have a draft you're proud of and then you email your good old buddies, Mark and Jay, <laughs> and uh, they fund yes. your next movie for yeah. you, right? You're like, oh, all we need is world. like $100,000 and we can go yeah. make another movie. And they'll cool. be like, hey. right, guys? <laughs> yeah, that's double our budget that we have now. So... <laughs> We're amazing. not joking. Yeah, no, no, that's amazing. I know. <laughs> I know people have made movies for like 10,000, 20,000. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah, but that's still impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I don't know. Any other last questions or feedback to our advice or things that you want to know about that we didn't answer or anything? Gosh. I like that. (laughs) It was was super um, encouraging and also just great to remind us to be intentional about really the whole creative process. Um, So, yeah, I felt pretty encouraged. Just focus on making cool shit. And that's that's a a quote from... think jay said that on twitter just like just focus on making cool shit and if you keep making cool shit after cool shit after cool shit no one can stop you yeah the only time people can stop you if you're not (laughs) making good stuff right Right? or not making stuff period (laughs) that's true too yes so yeah so keep at it well thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast thank you for having us it was so fun yeah thank you so much all right talk to you guys later all right, right, so that was cool. Yeah, it's great to hear from Megan and Hannah. That's so inspiring that they won the Hometown's Heroes uh, competition and got to make their feature. That's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely like a, something that I've struggled with too and just kind of beating myself up that it took me so long between films. But, you know, you can only move as fast as you can move. And sometimes, and for some people, it does take some time. And I don't think that right. it's not a race. And we've said that before. No. It's not a race. It's not about how many things you do. It's, and, and I wanted to tell this to Sue too. It's just, it's not about quantity it's about quality you know it's better to make one great film than it is to make three decent films because i think that one great film will get you farther than three decent ones so you got to be careful not to spread yourself too thin really just focus on making the best thing you can but i like what you said that if you are enthusiastic about it and you have and you want to just keep going and you have a lot a lot of energy then yeah just keep pouring it in because there will come a time where you get really tired and so capitalize off of the energy while you have it right and then the other thing too just like you know i think everyone 
thinks that when they finish their first feature, it's going to be so spectacular that uh, they're going to get whisked away to Hollywood yeah. when it's done. And I think that we all need to be very aware that that's not going to be the case for 99% of us, you know? And so it's not going to get easier after the first one. It's only going to get harder or be the same level of difficulty, you know? So be prepared for that and, and don't expect it to be like, like if I make this movie good enough, I'll be just like Boots Riley and off to Hollywood or, or, yeah. you know, Quentin Tarantino after Reservoir Dogs or, or, or whatever, you know, like you, you have to be like, no, like this is a grind. This is, this is like the work, you know? So if, uh, I want to keep on doing this, like it's on me to do this, yeah. you know? So get your first movie done, finish it up right, make it the best it can possibly be, do everything to support that. But then don't lose steam. Don't lose step. Like, right into the next one, you know? And if that that's writing for two years on it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, whatever it is, like, I think going straight into the next thing and, and putting all your full energy, the same level of energy you just put into your feature that you worked on for four or five years, keep that same level of energy into the next thing. Which, it's like Andrew talked about this a, a bunch. Is like, you know, like the first movie he made almost destroyed him and then his second movie also almost destroyed him and it took a while to like put the pieces back together before he was able to go on and do the next thing you know and so it's really hard like what I'm we're saying to do is like very difficult from my understanding I mean I haven't made yeah. my first feature yet so I don't even know but <laughs> I mean from yeah. the, the we've we both had the same experience with shorts right so yeah imagine that by times 10 you know oh yeah no yeah. All right. Well, our next guest is Alan. So I'm going to send him the link and cool. he will join us in just a second. Awesome. All right. Hey, Alan, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, guys? Uh, Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I know. This feels a little like an old radio show where you're like, hey, our next caller is Alan with a question. Alan, what's your question for us? <laughs> um, how long have you been listening to the podcast for? Uh, I guess I started in the last summer, and I worked my way through each episode. Oh, okay, wow. Cool. Did, did you start at the beginning and go through one all the way through? Yeah. Holy one. moly. Wow. <laughs> That's dedication. Um, I have an isolated question. Um, do you feel like the podcast has changed a lot over the 170 episodes or whatever it is, or do you feel like it's been pretty consistent? Uh, I feel like... It's changed in the way that you guys have changed, like your outlook, uh, your journey through the filmmaking process and, you know, what you've experienced. But like the the core of it itself, I think, has stayed fundamentally the same, which I really like. Oh, nice, man. That's cool. Do you ever miss the old format where it's just Ulrich and I talking for the most part? Uh, sometimes, but like uh, I have to say that usually the guest episodes are the ones that I like more when you have like half of you guys talking about just you guys and then... The other half where you have the guest on, like, I kind of like those a lot. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, let's talk about you for a second. Where do you live and how do you pay the rent? Uh, I live in the Midwest United States in a Midwestern city of no particular noteworthiness. (laughs) (laughs) Like Springfield, basically? Springfield, United States. Kind of. Yeah. Like, there's no distinguishing feature about this particular city whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) How do you make a living? Uh, I've been freelancing for the last several years, so my primary source of income is whatever kind of film work I can do. Okay, that's oh, awesome. nice. Give us one example of a freelance job that you do as a filmmaker. Uh, I was the uh, film producer, casting agent, and uh, props manager and wardrobe for uh, 
a commercial company for a while, uh, doing all the casting, all the pre-production, wow. field producing it, getting people there on time, managing wardrobe, managing, you know, casting in and out, uh, that kind of stuff. Shot, you nice. know, tons and tons of commercials, short films, so like, other people's films. So Yeah. So producing basically then. Uh, my, yeah, my, I did that for a while. Yeah. Because, I mean, to me, that sounds like, you know, when when I get a producing job on, a, like, a low-budget corporate video, that's usually what I end up doing is, like, the casting and the logistics and, uh, you know, even locations sometimes, you know, and just because, like, we don't have money to hire all those department heads, so they just make me do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been making films and how many films have you made at this point? Uh, I started doing this, like, full... Uh, well, I started getting into it my last years of college, and then when I got out, um, I met a producer at one of the larger production companies in town who gave me my first, you know, pay gig, uh, and that was around 2005, so since then, I've been doing it, you know, various stages of full-time, part-time, whatever since. And then, how many movies have you made? Did you answer that already? Oh, um, jeez. Let's say 10. Of your, those I've, are of your own films? No, no, I've worked on lots of other okay. people's stuff. How many of your own ones. films have you made? Um, Shorts and or features? Nothing I would show anybody that would count as an <laughs> official film. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Like stuff in college, like, you know, projects I had to do, and then short films I collaborated with other persons on their projects a lot. Gotcha. Uh, but, like, for my own, like, say, this is mine, uh, this is the first. And so oh, wow. Right now, you're you're in the middle of your first feature? Are you at the end of the process or middle of the process? Uh, let's say we've been stuck in the middle for a long time. Okay. Cool. Wow. And what's your ultimate goal with filmmaking? Are you happy with the freelance gig and you're just kind of making films on the side? Or are you hoping that this, or maybe were you hoping that this feature was going to kind of open some doors for you and lead to new, a new career opportunity? Uh, it's definitely the first step in my journey. Like, I want, you know, I need to create a calling card. I need to show I can do the job so I can, you know, do a bigger film the next time. And hopefully it opens doors and if other people want to, you know, hire me as a, you know, director for hire, that'd be amazing too. But it's, you know, I need to show I can do it. I need to show for myself, for other people who want to hire me. Uh, and, you know, they have something out there to show, you know, a demonstration of my level of skill. What kind of films would you like to be directing? Like if Hollywood was knocking on your door, what, what, what would you be looking for? I have a particular uh, fascination with crime dramas. So I really love those. Um, I'd love to do like, you know, a big budget effects driven film you know star wars and marvel if you're listening give me a call um <laughs> you know like uh i want to make really good intelligent high level films for people who like films but don't like seeing the same thing in every film christopher nolan style yeah nolan definitely a big influence uh michael mann yeah uh, nice. tony scott r.i.p uh, oh man i tony love tony Scott's scott so good. Jeez, his work is amazing yeah so distinctive. I was just watching Man on Fire over the weekend, and it's just like, no, uh, no other movie looks like that. That movie that should crazy. be in, in the Library of Congress is like the movie of, you know, America in the history <laughs> of film. It's it's art, and it's powerful. I love it. The visuals yeah. and the way he, he shot it and edited it, it's just masterful. It's kind of amazing that he was an older filmmaker uh, when he made that, and it feels like a younger filmmaker's movie, you know? Yeah. And especially I, of the moment. He got yeah. more creative and more experimental uh, as he went on, I think. I think a big of that part of that comes from him starting as uh, an art 
background, uh, which I also kind of yeah. share. Um, I started out drawing and then did fine art and then studied advertising and uh, graphic design before I switched to film. And so I kind of feel like I kind of get them because I see the art that was behind what they were doing in their films, he and his brother. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, before we get to your struggle, I have one question. Sure. Um, so what made you decide to make a feature for your first project instead of focusing on like creating just like one solid short? Uh, I worked on a whole lot of other people's shorts and been to a lot of film festivals and watched a lot of shorts and I kind of got my feel of that and I'm kind of as a viewer myself I like features because I like the character arc that you get out of it that you don't get in a short and I don't really like watching them because uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't get that same uh, you know it could be amazing it could have the best special effects it could have you know a, a name actor or whatever but it, you still don't get the same experience of watching a short that you do a feature so I wanted to get that and the general consensus, you know, it's always been, if you want to make a feature, you got to make a feature to show you can do it. So, you know, shorts right. don't really get you in the door the same way. Like, of course, there's those famous examples who are the exception to the rule. But by and large, you know, you got to have a feature to do that. So Yeah. And, and maybe it was more true for shorts 20 years ago, but it's definitely not true now. You know, um, you make a short film and people are like, okay, great. Um, where's your feature? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like, you know, no matter what, they're still going to say, all right, that's great, kid. You made a nice short, but, uh, you know, can you make a feature? I don't know. First time director. Right. Yeah. And the, and once you make the short, or the feature, it's like proof that you can do it. And it's proof that you can make something that's actually sellable, unlike a short, which, you know, doesn't really have um, a way to get any return for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I want to go through the whole process, like from the conception to pre-production, creating this thing, and then all the things that come after the film is done, the festival circuit or selling it, marketing it, doing the whole thing. Like, I want the full gamut of what can happen with the film. So Nice. All right, so we we asked you what your struggle was, and you wrote that you've been working on your first feature forever. Yeah. And there's many issues with finishing the film, but probably the biggest struggle you've had is with scheduling actors, and you just kind of like hit a bunch of roadblocks with actors leaving or moving, or it sounds like somebody even died. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So talk to us about this. What what happened? How long have you been working on this feature? And... and, and um. How many days have you put into shooting? What's the total shoot schedule? How many days have you put into it? And how has that been structured over the time period that you've been working on it? All right. So that's a lot to, a lot to unpack here. Um, so I started writing it um, probably like 12 years ago and uh, put together, you know, a real amateur, you know, everybody never done this before, first timers or maybe done like a short film kind of a level crew. And that one kind of fell apart pretty quick because people uh, well okay let me just go through it actor by actor the lead uh, is in like 80% of the film he carries it and the first guy we had lead at that time uh, decided he was going to drive to Los Angeles for pilot season and he called me on the road from Arizona to tell me that's what he was doing and he left the most important prop in the script in his apartment so we had to get the apartment complex to let us in to pick up the prop and the next, wow. yeah, the next guy we cast um, was trying to get into acting, and he uh, got his girlfriend pregnant and left to take care of them, which is you know fine, but that's what happened. And the next actor did the exact same thing, 
and then we hired a guy who was actually a uh, acting teacher at a local university who was really really good but he came down with some kind of strange illness where he lost his voice so he went back to the state he was from uh, to recuperate and get well I guess I don't know whatever happened to him uh, and then the guy who is presently in the role is phenomenal and he is from not too far from here uh, but he decided to head out to Los Angeles as well uh, to try and you know make his fortune I guess whatever how that works out but wow. uh, so that's where we're right now so I only get to shoot on weekends primarily because most of the cast and crew have other jobs whether in the industry or, or regular jobs um, my lead actress is also in Los Angeles she's from here so whenever she's in town visiting or something we try to shoot uh, scene or wow. two with her so it's just whenever they're here I can shoot but when they're not here that's kind of a standstill and that's kind of been dragging out so a couple questions <laughs> so yeah. you've shot <laughs> scenes of this movie with three different lead actors uh, and each time you switch lead actors you have to start all the way over again from the beginning is that what happens pretty much yeah and so I guess the main thought is and that, and at this point do you think the actor that you have who's currently doing the role do you think you can get him back from Los Angeles to be in it or do you think he's like kind of done with the project no as of this uh, discussion right now he's scheduled to be uh, in town um, in a couple of weeks and we're planning a shoot um, which I hope we get to do, you know, a couple of scenes, but hopefully it'll be at least one, if not more. So how, at this point, so you probably have shot like 70% of this movie or more over the years, but with the new actor, how much of it is in the can and already done? Uh, I think we're sitting about a third of the total running time right now. So here's my advice, because you're, you're definitely dealing with these, these um, you know, scheduling issues and getting people in town all at once and, and all that. And I, I imagine that you're just bootstrapping this, right? That you're just kind of getting this done on your own with favors and friends and just making it happen on the weekends? Yeah, we have, a, you know, I have a producer and an executive producer. So we have a tiny bit of funding and I have like someone else, you know, helping me out with, you know, logistics and locations and you know, paperwork and the whole thing. But yeah, I mean, I'm still carrying, you know, producing, directing. Uh, I do most of the production design. I help do the locations, uh, you know, making props, finding wardrobe, you know, the typical, you know, low budget, many hats. So what's stopping you from, from like finding a 10 day block and just shooting out the rest of the movie in 10 days? Is it purely financing? Like what, what's stopping you from doing it that way? Uh, well, one, it's more than 10 days. Two, um, financing is probably the biggest thing, having everybody free uh, from their jobs for the, you know, the full block. Um, right. Well, so you shot a third of a movie that you, and probably some more pieces that don't involve the lead that you could show. Like, why wouldn't you, or have you ever considered, um, like, cutting together, like, a teaser trailer or, like, a piece of it that you could show potential investors and then using that as proof that you can get this thing done and then just, like, raising a nice chunk so you can just schedule out the 10, 15 days, 20 days, whatever you need to finish it and just, like, boom, just get it done and then you can, you know, get it in the can and then go into post-production. Like, is that something that you you think you could do? Well, we have, uh, you know, rough cuts of all the stuff that we shot already. Like, you know, I mean, we can take a look at it, but... I don't know that it cuts into a, a good trailer. 
that way. Um, I think the number one thing is the time it would take to do that would just add more time onto the total production time. And I'd like to get it done sooner rather than later and actually finally finish it. Well, do you have the rest of the movie like scheduled out of like w- what scenes you're going to shoot when, like over the next like year or something, or is it just kind of you're get- getting one piece at a time and moving on to the next thing after that? Uh, we kind of do a piece at a time because some of the things are opportunity based. So like sometimes we don't know we're going to have an actor, or sometimes we might find a location and not have the actor. So it's getting everything to line up. Um, so you c- it's roughly scheduled, but it's not like ironclad detail the way you know you would do if you're doing like a set you know 20 day shoot or something um i'd like to be able to do it that way but it just hasn't been feasible you know up to this point yeah i mean i guess so as a filmmaker who's getting ready to do his first feature and you know i'm dealing with fundraising and you know getting getting ready to a place where you can actually hit go you know um and it's very challenging like raising any amount of money is really hard but I kind of feel like from your position, you have a lot of things that I don't have. Like you have more of your future cut together. Uh, you have a team that you've assembled over the years. You have your cast already in place. It seems like you're in a really good place to be able to go out and just do a really full frontal attack to get whatever chunk of money you need to, to schedule it out and do it that way. Because I mean, you know, like the world is in, is unpredictable and life is unpredictable. And the longer you wait and you string this thing out, the, I think the more you're going to be uh, potentially victim to more of the similar kind of issues that you've been facing over the years, like coming back again, you know, but if you do it quickly and act while you have all the pieces that you need, then I think you could be, get, you could get it done sooner. So I don't know. I, that, that would be my advice just to like, really like focus in on on getting the funds that you need and then just finishing the movie. But I'm curious what Timothy thinks of all this. Well, I think it's incredibly difficult to try to shoot a feature on weekends. I know people have done it in the past, but I think that the people that I know that have done it uh, um, are, have run into the exact same issues that you have. I have a friend that shot a movie in San Francisco. He did it on the weekends and it was a scheduling nightmare. And I think it probably took him about a year to shoot it. And I don't think he had that many shoot days. So I think anyone out there and this, you know, maybe this doesn't apply to you, Alan, but I would just for anyone listening, I mean, this is kind of a lesson in, in production is that you almost have to just block out time. It's to, to shoot your film. And if the only way to make that happen is to simplify your idea to make sure that you can do it in the, in the amount of time you can afford and, and get actors to commit to it. That's the, you just have to do it. I mean, maybe part of the problem is, is that your idea is too ambitious. And because you haven't done short films, there could be just the danger that you just didn't, you didn't have uh, an experience on a smaller level to know how it was going to scale up to a big level. And so maybe your ambitions kind of is, is, is drowning your project right now and, and what you can't, what you're able to achieve and having to shoot on the weekends, for instance. Shooting on the weekends is no problem with the short because you can shoot a short in like two days. But when you try to scale that up across a feature, then it becomes really hard. Do you think that your script might be too ambitious for, for what you resource wise, what you have? Like how many actors do you need to pull it off? And and you, we haven't heard yet how many shoot days you need. Uh, so I tried to write it from the 
point of view of what resources do I have? Kind of the, uh, you know, uh, rebel without a crew mentality, like what's available to me. So when I originally wrote the script, we were going to use one location for like 60% of the film. And since we started filming that particular location is no longer available. So we've had to parse out what locations uh, we need to get at different places instead of having them almost all in one. Uh, which is almost, it's going to work almost like a studio, which was great. So we just show up, you know, dress the set the way we wanted to do and shoot. And we don't have that ability anymore. So we have to, you know, find each individual location, which has kind of messed it up a bit. Um, and the other issue is most of the crew, even if we had the money, they are working during the week anyway on regular day jobs or other productions or they're, you know, if they have a job that is a you know working in the industry they're doing that so yeah but that's where you you tell your friends or the people that you know like hey dude i want to shoot a feature i need 12 days from you i can't pay you your regular rate but i'm going to pay you half your rate you know i need you to commit to this time and it sounds like maybe part of it is just i know you can't control like people getting sick or dying but for the people that are just kind of leaving because you're just catching scenes whenever your actress is in town makes it really hard because people don't really know what the commitment is up front. So to really say to people, I need you from this date to this date, can you commit to it? And I'm going to pay you this much. It's not as as much as you want, but at least it's something to help you get there and and get people on board and get them all lined up and have everyone committed rather than just trying to grab it here and there as you can, because then you're negotiating every shoot day rather than a block of shoot days. I don't disagree. Like all these things all happened after production started. Like everyone was here when we started. The locations were all here. We all had it, you know, laid out the way we're going to do it. And we had a plan and it just kind of all got blown up by, (laughs) you know, circumstances. Well, maybe it's time to just take, take a break, take a deep breath and figure out a new plan and then move forward with that. And hopefully that one sticks. But I think you might be stuck in just trying to grab pieces here and there that I think that makes it infinitely harder than just trying to like block out a schedule, even if it's every weekend for the next six months, just having people commit to it. I just think that it's hard to convince people to give up their weekends more than, you know, a few in a row. Uh, I think you'll, I feel like I would have an easier time saying yes to helping somebody on their films for like 12 days in a row than I would. 12 weekends in a row. (laughs) Six weekends in a row. (laughs) Yeah. I would because I'd be like six weekends is a lot to give up, but 12 days in a row, just take, maybe take some vacation off of work or if I'm a freelancer, just not take gigs for like 12 days. That seems like that seems more doable to me. Uh, you know, in a perfect world, you know, if I could make that happen, that would be the first thing I would do is just block out the time and say, this is what we're doing, guys, and go for it. But um, so far, that hasn't been able to uh, come to <laughs> yeah. fruition. So, How many more shoot days do you think you have left on this? Uh, I'm, let's see, we're third of the way through. It was 45, looking around 30 days. 30 wow. days that yeah man yeah. i don't know i don't it's know not if like every, it's ever gonna get done it's not like every day is a full 12 hour or 14 hour day some of those are like you know we gotta show up like two hours or four hours and get something here or there um most of the scenes uh are written to be single location chunks so like we show up we shoot this location for a day and that's a scene or two it's not like we got to be at any particular place for a long period of time it's just here's a piece here here's a piece there um yeah, I think yeah. you gotta you gotta rethink this. Uh, I don't think it's. I feel like it's never gonna happen if that's 
if you're asking for 30 more days of things, I think you need to figure out a way to consolidate that into a much shorter schedule. And if it is only two hours here, four hours there, you got to take those, take three of those and turn that into one shoot day and an eight or 10 hour shoot day where you're getting three things like something that would have taken you three days to do, do it in one day. Yeah. If I hadn't, <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Don't make excuses. You can do it. If come, you keep come to your producers and be like, this is what I want to do. Make it happen, guys. And they'll be like, yeah. okay, Alan, you're just we're not in, we're on board. You're not set up for success right now. And you need to you need to make this more realistic. And if you've been having the same problems over and over again, it's the the biggest mistake you can make is to keep moving forward with the things that haven't been working in the past. I think if it hasn't been working in the past, you need to figure out a way to move forward in a different way. Well, I'm here for suggestions on what that might be. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to look at your schedule and you need to figure out a way to do this in a much shorter timeline and figure out what that timeline looks like, what's realistic in, in terms of just a schedule. Just a, let's say you turn those 30 days into 10 days and even if that's yeah. five weekends in a row and then you go to every single person you need and you say, I need you for these five weekends. Can you make it work? And you lock it in place and you just make it happen. Now, there's nothing you can avoid with people getting sick or people dying, but hopefully, knock on wood, none of that stuff's going to happen and you'll be able to just kind of get it done. But I think you really need to just like lock it down and you need to get everyone to commit and not try to like grab a day here, grab a day there. 30 days of doing that is just, I know how long it takes to, to, put a crew and actors together for one shoot day on a short i can't imagine doing that 30 times that would just be maddening the, just, the other thing too is just like uh yeah uh, oh what i was gonna say, sorry what i was gonna say is you you know you're looking for suggestions you might want to bring in um an assistant director to really help you schedule it out better because you know, they might look at your 30 days and be like, oh, no, we can do that in 15 or, oh, we can do that in 20, you know, and really help you like consolidate your, you know, your location moves and, and get everything lined up in a way where it'll be like really smooth to shoot. And then once you have that schedule, then you can like, you know, go and look at the budget and be like, what would it, what kind of money would I actually need to do this? Then go to your producers, present that, and then come up with a plan to raise that money, whether it's crowdfunding, whether it's from individual investors, whatever. And then like Timothy said, you can just knock it out and get it done. Um, not an easy task, right? Yeah. This is all difficult. But I mean, I think if you look to the right people, like you might be able to figure this out. Both ways forward are really hard, but I feel like your best chance of success is to take a break right now and, and refigure out how you're going to move forward. Because I feel like you're on the path of not finishing this movie. And you're probably scared of taking a break because you're scared that you're not going to finish the movie if you don't keep going. But I think you're you're there's a danger both ways but i feel like you have a better chance of getting it done if you really just kind of like take some time think about the best way forward and really consolidate it i just i think 30 days is way too much to to ask of people i really do we've kind of been on a break that's uh oh had, <laughs> but are you a, a but it doesn't sound like you're problem solving to figure out how to get this done like to, to try to get people together for two to three hours at a time, it just doesn't sound like a sustainable way to keep shooting. I think you have to, you have to group those things together and, and create shoot days that are 10 hours long that capture a bunch of things rather than just going, grabbing a crew, going out for two hours and then coming back. Well, 
okay. So I think maybe I, I should clarify a little bit. It's not like every shoot day is like two hours or four hours. Like we certainly have normal, you know, length shooting days for lots of stuff to do. Um, and some of those encompass getting, you know, more than one scene done or more than one scene in the same location and things of that nature. It's not like we're only shooting two or four hour days. Yeah, understood. I just, I'm just trying to help you solve for the 30 day thing. I just, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ulrich, but I feel like 30 days is just way too much to ask, ask of people over weekends. Well, I mean, most first time filmmakers, especially these days, don't even get 20 days to shoot their first movies. You know, like I'm talking to my producer right now and I was like, oh, can we get 18? And he's like, nah, you're going to get 15. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's <laughs> most people are shooting films in like 12 to 15 days. And I'm not saying that that's how you have to shoot your film, but I think it just sounds to me like you're being way too ambitious and somehow your production's way too difficult for, for, you know, for way too difficult to pull off right now. So if you are committed to getting this film done and, and you still do have 30 days, I think you need to figure out a way to consolidate that and get that down in order to make it doable. It's my instinct. Either that or abandon the project and go write a script that you can do in like 12 to 15 days. Uh, that's typical Timothy advice, isn't it? <laughs> I, f- I feel like I put too much time into this one to abandon to, to at this point. Yeah, and all the right. people who have stuck with me for this long, I feel I owe it to them to make sure it gets finished as well. Yeah. And yeah. To make it the I best think that would be the worst be. thing for you to do would be to leave it. You have to finish it. You have to figure this out. And so you have to you have to crunch it. You have to figure out how to make it happen. You have to think about it in a different way. I don't think you can keep moving forward with the way that you've been doing it. And or or maybe this conversation will just fuel you to fuel you to prove me wrong. You'll just be like, Ha, Timothy, I did it. Either we're, way. We're, Either we're way. coming for you with pitchforks and torches, <laughs> Timothy. <Yeah. laughs> um, but dude, it's a tough situation to be like halfway th- or two thirds of the way through your movie, you said. And I think we're about uh, a third. Yeah. A third of the way through. Man, I mean, that's just, it's tough because you're like midstream and um, so many bad things have happened. Like, I feel for you. It's, it really sucks. I, I mean, the- I want to just come and save you. <laughs> like, just come there and be like, all right, Alan, we're sitting uh-huh. down and we're going to figure this out together. Show me everything that you need to shoot and I'm going to structure it for you. I want to. Uh, I want to say something about the actor that we keep mentioning who uh, passed away. Um, yeah. We had one scene left to shoot with him, and he plays a, a small but very important role in the film. Mm-hmm. And we went to literally getting ready to shoot his last scene. And I called him, emailed him, texted him, went by his house, and couldn't get an answer. And uh, a few days later, uh, I got a call from a police officer who was an extra on the film and told me what had happened to him. And that kind of put a damper on the film for a while so we had to regroup oh, man, and get man. things going again after that i can only imagine that must be yeah, so difficult geez. yeah so like he was whenever things did fall apart he's always the person who would call me up and say hey it doesn't matter brush it off and keep going so even if it's only just for him i want to finish the film and you know dedicate it to him or something like you know yeah but anyway yeah, well, I um, love that I don't hear you, the quit in you, so keep going yeah. with it. I wish that we had we had like a silver bullet for you, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I guess all we can do is just acknowledge how how tough this is, and you're in a really shitty situation. And I hope you can figure it out. I- I'm gonna be a little bit more encouraging than that because um, I don't think we should end on such a you know 
<laughs> down note. I think we should celebrate the fact that you've been working on this project for so long and that you have so much of it done and your commitment to it is so so strong that, you know, obviously, I mean, I think that's a rare thing that a lot of filmmaking friends of mine talk about, like they can't find an idea that they love that much to actually put the effort in. And obviously you love this thing so much. You've worked on it for so long. So I think that's a positive. And then I think the other thing is maybe not if, if like trying to shoot 20 days or 30 days or whatever at once is, is too daunting. Uh, something else some other filmmaker friends of mine have done in the past is uh, do blocks. So they'll do like a five days, you know, and then they'll edit that together and then they'll do five more days and they'll edit that together and they'll kind of do it in that way. So, so maybe that's more feasible. Maybe you can like get five or six days together so you can just shoot like, you know, the next third or the next like, you know, whatever, sixth of it and then do another sixth and do another. And then that way, rather than just doing one at a time that like, you know, you're, you're taking it into smaller chunks, but it's more sizable so you can actually do it and then move on to the next part. That might be a more feasible option. Uh, just getting them here at the same time for you know a week at a time, a couple of times might be. Uh, yeah, yeah, it might make you feel like you're making more progress that way too. Yeah, I don't know. I think that 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 might help in a big way, you know. And I think that also might keep continuity a little bit better because I'm sure you're having continuity issues as well trying to shoot across a long period of time like this. You know, <laughs> it, uh, you know, sometimes we see like uh, one of the actors post a photo on Facebook and we, you know, have to text him real fast and say, hey, is that current? Did you change your hair? Or is that something older? <laughs> check on him. Yeah, right. That's yeah, so funny. <laughs> well, Alan, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. And I really hope this has been helpful. And I know Timothy's been really hard on you on, on this segment. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, I feel like a readjustment might be a good idea, but I think there's more than one way to readjust. You know, and so just find the way that works for you, you know, and then go out there and, and get it done, man. I know I know you can do it. Yeah. And, I want to say uh, thanks for having me on, guys, and for the encouragement and the ideas and for the podcast, man. It helps me out a lot in some of those darker moments when you're like, oh, man, am I ever going to do this? <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, just know you're not alone in the struggle. I, yeah, I think Ulrich and I have had versions of the struggle, too. We've, we haven't had it on a feature film level yet, but... Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And just hang in there and uh, send us an email when you figure out what you're going to do. We'd love to hear how you solve this. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Boy, Alan's in a tough spot. Yeah, I mean, I didn't want, I wanted to say this, but I didn't because I thought it would be a little bit confusing. But um, one, uh, I got advice from a DP to, to do my first movie that way. Like his advice was to shoot on the weekends and do it one, one step at a time rather than all at once. Because when you're all at once, that's when you make mistakes. That's when the stress is high and you end up with a movie that's not as good as it could be. But if you really take your time and just do it over a long period of time, uh, then you'll be able to learn from your mistakes as you go and make better decisions and you won't be rushed. And in the end, you'll have a better movie. Um, but I didn't really want to say that to Alan because I feel like that's what he has done. And if I said that, then it's just going to encourage him to keep on going down that road, which obviously it's not working for him. You know? Yeah. I mean, so. it's just, uh, I, I guess part of my reaction was just like, why would you go into shooting a 45 day film over the weekends? Why would you do that to yourself? That's just, uh, 
Well, I mean, I think it, for the right movie, like it's not impossible. But that's know? every weekend for a year, roughly. This fifty-two. Isn't that weeks what Christopher in, Nolan did? did Didn't he, do he that? shoot? I his guess. Movie I guess. For, yeah. Like, no, I weekends? guess. And maybe that's part of the problem is Nolan just made made put that story out in the world. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> God damn you, Nolan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's I, just, I mean, I just can't imagine doing that, but I guess maybe I would have done that had I not done more productions, you know? Well, I mean, I feel like it's a certain type of movie that you can do that with, and I haven't seen uh, the following or the the one that he did over the weekends or whatever, so I'm not exactly sure what type of film it is, but it sounds like the type of movie that, um, oh, hello. <laughs> Johanny. Hi, thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm really yeah, excited. Of course. So let's see. Hold on. I, since bef- between our last guest and this guest, I closed my outline. I'm pulling it back oh. up. Does some Does somebody have a cat meowing in the background? I did, but he he went away. Oh, I just want to just get right into the first question, Johanny. So, where do you live, and and how do you pay your bills? I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I pay my bills by, um, I have two jobs. One, I'm a cocktail server at a comedy club, and during the day, I work full-time uh, for a nonprofit here in the city that works with the homeless. Oh, cool. Wow. Which comedy club? It's amazing. Uh, Gotham. Gotham Comedy Club. Oh, I haven't been to that oh, one. Wow. One of my favorites is the comedy cellar. Every time I uh, go to New York, I love going there. You should come to Gotham one day. We're I just will. as good. We're better. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Are you guys in the same neighborhood as uh, the Comedy no, Cellar? No, we're in Chelsea. Okay. Yeah, last time I was in New York, I went to the Comedy Cellar, and then I also went to, gosh, Purple Onion? Purple something? It oh, was I've like never right, heard of that one. It was right near the Comedy Cellar, and we were like going to the Comedy Cellar line, and then a barker was like, hey, rather than wait in that line that you're not going to get in, come over here. <laughs> right. And then we just went over there, and it was it was really fun. How was the quality of the comics there? Oh, it was hilarious. Oh, good. Oh, okay. good. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> But yeah, next time I'll one. come to I'll come to Gotham though. Yes, for sure. I'll get you guys tickets. Okay, awesome. Oh, so awesome. You are uh, working in, at, as a waitress in comedy and as nonprofits. Tell us about the filmmaking side of you. How many uh, films have you made, and how long have you been making films? Um, I've been making films for six years now. I have made five short films, and I have made a web series that has ten episodes. So if you count each episode as a short film, I guess I've made fifteen short films. <laughs> yeah, wow. I'll give it to Congratulations. you. Congratulations! That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's really impressive. Thanks. And what's your goal? What What are you hoping to happen with your filmmaking? Uh, I want to create more work for women and actors of color and uh, also create more work for myself because I started filmmaking. Uh, I'm an actor first and I started filmmaking because I wasn't getting any work. So I just started writing and creating and producing my own stuff. So I want to create more work for more actors of color and create especially for women when you just can't find the roles you just write it for yourself and just make your own stuff that's great that's the way to do it uh i think that's how quentin tarantino got started too i think he was he was an actor he wanted to be an actor and so he's an amazing filmmaker now yeah yeah um so (laughs) tell us about your struggle you said your your biggest struggle is funding Yes, my biggest struggle is funding and finding money. I usually um, pay for everything myself. And it's great to 
you know, have the funding to create your own work, but I don't want to be working 16-hour days every time I have to make a film. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. I, I get home at like at 3 a.m. and my dog just looks at me so disappointed because he's been home all day. And Aww. I just, um, it's hard for me to find funding. I try to do the crowdfunding and for my first short film and I only raised like 250 Everyone that oh, I know wow. is either like saving for a house or they're also actors. So they're <laughs> trying to do their own thing. So I'm like, hey, can you give me $50? <laughs> right. The hardest people to raise money yeah. from are people that are in the same situation as you. Because they're exactly. like, yeah, I, w- I don't want to spend my money because I need it for my stuff. Exactly. So it's hard for me to um, come up with funding or like find the right people to approach the right investors and like now I'm at a point where I'm ready to do a feature film but a feature film is now got, it's gonna cost me like a hundred grand and I don't have a hundred grand <laughs> have you, <laughs> or even uh, more have you uh, started fundraising at all have you tr- tried approaching investors or tried getting people to put a little money into the movie yet uh, no not yet I just uh, I just finished my last this weekend I shot a, another short film and that one I fund it myself but after that is done come um i want to start with a feature but i'm just like i'm not i don't know where to go or who to approach or how to find investors so that's like what i struggle with it's like who do i talk to (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. well we know comedians don't have money so don't talk to them i know no i would would disagree with that i think you should talk to every single person you ever know you've ever met that you ever will meet because if you tell everybody that you're making a movie and you're raising money the more people you tell about it the more likely you're going to get somebody who refers you to the right person who can get you started you know so i wouldn't keep it to yourself i would you know get on a soapbox you know it's time to you know sell yourself hard and really talk up this project because that's the only way that you're actually going to get anyone to take you seriously, you know? And, and yeah. <laughs> like I work as a videographer. And so whenever I meet anybody who I feel like could even in the slight, like it actually not even that just pretty much anybody that I talk to, I tell them about <laughs> the movie I'm making uh-huh. and, and like, you know, sometimes it leads to a conversation where maybe they can help me out or introduce me to somebody else. And sometimes it leads to nothing, but I feel like every um, person that you meet who you can, you know, bend their ear, it's like, that's so helpful. Right. Because no one's going to look at you and say, oh, that person's making a movie and I want to invest in a movie. They're only going to know if you say it out loud. Yeah. So do (laughs) you have a project currently that you would like to get funding for and that you'd be ready to, you know, talk to people about? Um, I do have... I didn't... I have a feature film that I'm finishing up. It's about a inner city girls volleyball team and it's like an underdog story and i would like to get that done um that's about like 90 nice. minute film yeah nice cool well that's good i mean that, i love that pitch it's a short pitch so i feel like people already would be like tell me yeah more. tell me more so well, they could I think, call me and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, i'll be more than happy to tell, send them my script <laughs> i think you should just start i mean really what we're hearing about who investors are it's really just they're just people you know it's, yeah. it's it could be your dentist. I think Ulrich hit his dentist up for money and the yeah. dentist he's been seeing since he was a kid and his dentist invested yeah. a little bit in his film. Um, it's like, you know, like my second or third investor was my dentist. 
All right. <laughs> it might yeah. be the owner of the Gotham Comedy Club or one of the comedians or just somebody you happen to know from uh, some other walk of life, somebody you know at the nonprofit, yeah. your doctor, um, somebody you meet on the subway. Like you just don't know. So you just got to ask around and it's really just going to be pretty much anyone. The good news yeah. is, is that $100,000 is not an impossible amount of money to raise. And if you just think of it as like, I just need 10 people each to give $10,000 each you might be able to find somebody. I mean, for for people who have a, a bit of money, $10,000 is probably not a huge investment for them. And if they really want to help you out and they, they believe in what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. then I think that seems feasible to me. Yeah, Albrecht I, has more experience with this than me because he is actually raising money for a movie. So I'm going to let yeah. him talk. Well, I've pitched some really wealthy people um, my movie in the last year. And it's not that simple, <laughs> you know, like, like they, like $10,000 could be nothing to them, but they're not just going to give you money for no reason. Like they, they really need to be inspired by you as a person and a filmmaker. And then they also have to be inspired by the movie. And then what has worked for me so far is I, I also have a producer who has experience who's backing me yeah. and you know, I've raised a bunch of money this year and I don't think I would have raised any of that or, or way less of it if, um, I didn't have the producer. So I would advise you to start searching for that partner who yeah. has more experience than you do and has like made features and hopefully even made features like the feature you're trying to make mm-hmm. and get them to be an advocate for you. And then, you know, with that person on your side, like that's some ammunition, some fuel for you to use when you're approaching investors and, you know, entering competitions and programs and fellowships and doing all the things that you can do in your, in your position to get this film made, which there is a lot to be done. Right. And just know? to be clear that that person's really just there to be kind of a mentor for you. They're not going to do the work. You're going to do all the work, but they're, but they're there to like support you and say, Hey, I've got your back. You can use my name. You can say I'm attached to the project. When you get funding, I'll also be there to help you get the movie made. So it's, it's just, it's like a resource and it's a person that's a part of your team now, but don't expect you're going to find a producer that's going to go raise the money for you. Cause we're, we're not seeing that that's the, the case. Okay. Yeah, that was the first thing my producer said to me when he joined the project was that he's not going to do it for me. <laughs> and and that's been very true, but at the same time he's been so supportive. Like any time I would find an investor that uh, would would listen to me, you know, he's come and pitched with me. And we've done like probably 10 pitches or so in the last mm-hmm. year and anytime I need him need him for a meeting or anything or, you know, answer an email or whatever, he's he's helped out and I feel like that has been so amazing. And so you know, that, that even that's a lot to ask for. But yeah. I mean, I think, you know, putting yourself out there and trying to find that that partner would be a really good step. Um, but I have a question for you, Johanny. Yes. So you've you've made this web series, you've made these awesome short films. Uh, where are they? Are they on a YouTube page? Like, are they out in the world for people to see? Like, where the, are your films? The web series, uh, all 10 episodes are on my website, which is joanni.net. Um, one of my short films it's on and both two of my short films are on there uh, Cheryl and Denise won Best Comedy at the Madrid International Film Festival that's on my website as well oh, congratulations thank you and um, I have the other three that I'm two of them are doing the festival circuit now and the last one that I just finished is on, it's edited it's being edited but I have two 
short films on my website and you can watch my entire web series on my website as well. Nice. And are you launching them through YouTube or Vimeo or through your own uh, video player? Um, once, once I'm done with the festivals for my last short film, I'm going to put it on Amazon Prime. And um, the same thing for my other ones. I'll probably launch uh, on YouTube or Vimeo. I have, uh, I have a couple on Vimeo as well. And, and where is the, um, the, 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 the web series? Is that on Prime? It's on my website. It's on YouTube, but on you can YouTube. just go okay. straight to my website, and, and okay. I have all the ten episodes there. Yeah, because I think that's the other thing that you have at to your advantage is you have a lot of work to show. Yeah. So I feel like being in a position where you can easily show people what you've done would be good. And then what I've learned through my process is that uh, getting people to watch one thing is very difficult. Yeah. Uh, getting somebody to watch two or three things is impossible. <laughs> so um, what might be helpful, since you have so much, yeah. it might be good to create a reel of, of your work, like a director's reel that uh-huh. hike, like showcases like like the best like three to five minutes of your work, you know, and then just have that link ready. And so you can just, you know, if anyone wants to know about you, they're not overwhelmed with like, oh, there's 15 things for me to watch. Like, what do I pick? Yeah. It's like, here's the one thing that you should watch. So you get, get Johanny's film making style down in like three minutes, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. I actually, um, I went on IMDb and I looked up like all the, famous women who have production companies <laughs> i sent oh, them letters cool. oh nice <laughs> so awesome. i went and i found their production companies i called them i was like how can i send myself and i emailed um i think it was gina rodriguez eva oh wow eva longoria Charlize oh, wow. theron wow. well then they never got back to me so <laughs> like whatever <laughs> yeah Johanny, no, that you is did it. fucking genius <laughs> and i would keep on doing it okay. like hit up everybody and like go lower like i mean not lower per se but like less well-known names i know i think that that's also a thing with me i like i just go for like the top of the mountain so i'm like i'm gonna email charlie's thrawn she's gonna love my film (laughs) i think you should though i think you should email anyone and everybody but i think you should also be looking at um you know like well lena dunham's obviously really famous but like think of like you know the the woman producer or filmmaker who is like four steps under Lena Dunham, who's like yeah. maybe made one or two features, but isn't a household name the way that she is, you know? Okay. Um, there's a woman who produced uh, uh, The Following or Follow? Mm-hmm. It Follows. Um, and I know she's still making movies, so that might be somebody to reach out to because they're not as well known, but like, you know, they are, you know, super successful, made awesome movies. So I would start scouring, um, the internet and IMDb for producers who've made some really great movies, um, you know, that are similar to the movie that you want to make. And, you know, that are like, you know, female producers or executive producers or investors and hit them all up, you know? Um, also, are you, are you on Slated? Do you know what Slated is? No. You should look up Slated. Um, it's free to join. It's supposed to bring filmmakers and investors together. Oh, okay. uh, but basically what happened was when it got popular, um, all the studios got on it. And so now the studios use it to to connect with investors. And it makes it really hard for the little guys and, and, oh, okay. and you know, to make it happen. So... So, but still, it's a good place to, to search for investors. And, okay, um, yeah, let's I've sign had, 
Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've had advice from other producers who said that they've raised money um, purely by just emailing investors through the slated program. Um, this one producer, she said she emailed a thousand people and she got, um, like three responses, but that was enough to fund her movie. (laughs) A thousand emails to get three responses. So that just shows you how many more people you have to be emailing. So it's a lot, a lot. And the other suggestion I had was like, go to some festivals in the New York area and see some indie films and and try to find some indie films that you like and a lot of times the producers are there at those festivals and you can just go right up to them and be like hey i liked your movie can we talk about working together on something okay yeah I'll, yeah i always go to film festivals so um i'm gonna start networking more that's another thing that i need to do more because yeah. i don't do it as often yeah i mean i'm sure there's lots of filmmaking groups and filmmaking events in new york that you could uh be a part of and, and, you know, go to and, you know, meet other people in, in your community who are doing similar projects or whatever. And yeah, that could be helpful. There's also something called um, IFP, I believe, or IFB. It's like a market slash like filmmaking conference that I believe is in New York every year. Um, someone told me to go to that after I went to the American film market. They're like, oh yeah, you got to go to IFP. P or B, I can't remember. Yeah, but it's pretty famous. And I think that's another place where you can meet people and you go to conferences and lectures and, you know, there's, there's investors there and, you know, and producers, I think mainly producers. Um, it must be IFP because I think it is like a producer's thing. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think you're in a really good spot though. It's just like, yeah, now you have to do the hard part, which I started probably like two and a half years ago, and I'm still fundraising for my first feature. So, you know, if it starts to take a long time, don't get discouraged because it could take a while to get any kind of money together, you know? Okay. And you're not alone. This is like, the, this is the struggle. The filmmaking struggle is finding money. That's everyone struggles with it. And it's not easy. I know. I just had a friend who um, who was raising money and he didn't raise all the money that he needed. So he had to kind of stop because he needed like, I think, over 30 grand and he did. He raised like 10 percent of that. So it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, but it can be yeah. done. And so you just got to you got to believe you got to believe it can happen and you just got to keep pushing it forward. You got to talk to everyone. Uh, just take take Allworks' lead. He's he's really good at it. He does everything and anything <laughs> to just to make it happen. Right, and that's well, why you have to be passionate about your project because it, you are going to put so much into it. Yeah. If you're only kind of like, yeah, I kind of want to make a movie, it's never going to happen. You have to be like, I got to make this movie, and so you'll do anything to make it happen. Right. I'm going to make this movie. <laughs> Yeah, I know you will. I mean, geez, if you've already made 15 um, short films, 10 of which were a web series, I mean, yeah, you obviously have the hustle. It's just, uh, you know, be ready for the long haul because I know a lot of people, they, they make all these 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 short films and web series or whatever, and they kind of feel like, okay, I've, I've done all this hard work. I've made my thing. Now the world will, you know, the doors will open and everything will be easy. But it's, it's just not. like, no, it's just one more step on the path to, you know, getting getting the next project made and then that's another step to getting the next project made and i don't i just don't think it ever really ends so just you know if if you love the life and you love the the filmmaking struggle then you know yeah you're in a good spot <laughs> cool i'm i'm ready to to hustle more and i'm ready to make this movie so thank you guys so much for all this information yeah you're welcome thanks for coming on the show and talking to us 
Do you love making movies as hard and you want to listen to more episodes? Jump over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash MMIH and you can listen to the entire back catalog of episodes for just $1.99 a month. That's an additional 300 episodes that aren't on iTunes that you can listen to whenever you please. But without any more blibber blabber, back to the show! There's no point to really talk about what you would ask these people or anything because this was so many, many years ago and uh, there are three different wonderful filmmakers. But let's just say this was a really fun conversation and a really interesting way to do a show, which we have not done since. So if you're interested, Liz, we could try this again sometime, maybe. Oh, ooh, I like the idea of live. Either like I know Just Shoot It does voicemails and I like yeah. that or, or live call-ins. I think that sounds fun. But it sounds like you're teeing me up to ask you. Yes. The question for Ask the Expert. Ask the Expert. <laughs> so, this came in from Eric? Colin Stryker. Okay, this felt like, yeah, it was like worded not like Eric words questions. <laughs> no, this was no. worded like the way Colin words questions. <laughs> so, Colin Stryker, friend of the show, filmmaker, buddy, wrote, As a micro-budget filmmaker, it always makes me cringe. Oh, Shit. I mean, keep this in, Jeff. I don't care. I have to explain what Ask the Expert is. Ask the Expert is a segment where (laughs) Eric Toms decided that we're experts, which is very nice of him. Thank you, Eric. And so he tees up or he tees up questions from listeners that rely on a certain level of expertise on indie film. And so Colin Stryker is asking this question. Thank you, Colin. As a micro-budget filmmaker, it always makes me cringe when I hear the question asked, how big was your crew? And the answer is... Oh, a small crew of about 25 or 30. Can you weigh the pros and cons of a truly small crew of, say, 8 to 10 versus a more typical small crew of 25 to 30? Ulrich, what are your pros? What are your cons? (laughs) Okay, well, I would say let me do the 25 to 30 first because that's what my movie had. But I'm actually pretty equipped to answer this question because I did one movie with 20 to 5 to 30 and then I immediately did another movie with uh, 11. So like I kind of know have both experiences. So I'd say for the 25 to 30 the pros are that uh, you can do a lot. You can have a lot more equipment and you can get a lot more fancy shots and fancy setups done and you can be a little bit more ambitious with the kinds of things that you try to pull off in your day. And let's see, it's really fun to have a big crew because, you know, it's a lot of energy, a lot of positivity. You usually got a lot of people around you who are really excited to be there and to help the movie happen. And if there's problems that arise or things that come up that are unplanned for, you usually have the support to take care of it rather easily. Whereas when you have a smaller crew, it's really hard to handle like last minute unknowns because like everyone is like absolutely 1000% necessary in the exact thing they're doing. And so, you know, I'll get to that in a minute of like, you know, when you have a small crew, a smaller crew, it's you have to have somebody who's like ready to be that person because you need at least one person to, to be like the catch all. But like on a crew of 25 to 30, you probably have a couple people who, you know, maybe even one person, probably not one person per department, but like you probably have a couple, a good handful of, full of people who are there to like, you know, jump in and take care of a problem if something arises. Yeah, the cons of having a 25 to 30 person crew, things do move slower, which is tough, you know, sometimes when you're really excited to to shoot and be with your actors. Like, it just takes time to get people loaded in. It takes time for people to get lights and do their work. It just, things take time. Because, like, when you have more people, like I said, you probably have more equipment and it just, everything takes longer. But it does tend to look better, which is 
uh, you know, back on the cons list. What other cons? It's more money to to have a bigger crew, you know, which which is tough. And you have to feed more people, which also costs more money. You have to, you know, find places for them to stay potentially if they're coming from out of town or if like the location is. It just it just it, you know makes the logistics like you know incre- exponentially more complicated the more people you have on your set. There's probably more, but I'm gonna stop there. And then for the small crew, I would say the pros are you move a lot faster. It's a lot less expensive. It can be fun to have a really small team too, in some ways, because it's like a little band of of, of merry filmmakers making a movie. And you know, I think like it's a little less stressful when there's not so many people because, you know, we're all there together. We all kind of understand the type of movie we're making and we know that, that the pressure isn't as high, mm-hmm. I feel like, for some reason with a smaller crew. At least that's how that was what was my experience was like. Cons are you can't be as fancy. You have less equipment. <laughs> you can't make things look quite as as stunning because you only have so many things to do. If you're if you're outdoors, like it, you probably can do a lot. You know, even you know the more that you have daytime exteriors, like your movie will probably look a lot better with a smaller crew versus if you have all you know night interiors, for example. But but yeah, I mean, I just feel like. You know, there, there's a different look and, st- and feel to a, a movie with a 10 person crew to a movie with a 20 person crew. And depending on the movie, there's different ways to make that work in your advantage or not. So I think in a lot of ways, it depends on the type of movie you're making, whether that's going to have a, a bigger or smaller impact. Other cons. Yeah, if, if problems arise, there's like less less time in it and people to solve them. You know, like you really only have one person or maybe no people who can like just drop everything to go take care of a problem. Yeah. Oh, back in the pros, like less food to feed people. That's nice. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think that's what I got. What do, you, do you have anything to add to those lists of pros and cons? Yeah, you took a lot of the good ones. I would say... <laughs> It's it's interesting when you talk about speed, because I think actually you could be faster or slower in either situation. <laughs> like it's like I don't know if it, if it, there's like a way to really fully say that one is faster or slower, because every time I've been on I'm, I've usually worked with crews of 30, even though I have very, very little budget and like uh, my crew never has enough quote unquote hands. Like I need more hands. I need more hands. I need people to move things. I need people to carry, th- you know, it's like, so it's like if you have a smaller group, I would assume you still need more hands. You always need more hands. You always need more labor to move things and finesse things and carry things. And I understand that you might minimize resources and minimize your ambition with a smaller crew, but I can just hear like my production designer in my head being like, now I'm a department of one and I can't move the stressor by myself. I can't, you know, it's like, she's still going to need support. And I don't know if she necessarily can move faster with less resources. Right. So I think it all depends on you rejiggering the shoot to be less ambitious. Right. Yeah. I think the kind of smaller crews is the overlapping of roles. You know, you're not going to abide by union standards. You're not going to have someone, you know, you're going to have PAs touching equipment. If you get a PA, you're going to have people touching equipment that union standards wouldn't allow them to touch on another shoot, right? Like there'll be people doing multiple roles and that's to a degree could lead to exploitation of labor, which is a problem. But again, like if you're saying if it's daytime exteriors and you have a simple setup, then maybe it's not a problem. I I was drawn to 
the level of trust and intimacy and the relationship building that I think you could have from a small shoot like that. It's speculative because normally I work with slightly larger groups, but that's what I'm drawn to with the small crew. And for me, probably some of the bells and whistles are worth eradicating for building a tight knit group. And I'm, I'm drawn to that as long as with that small group, no one feels they're pushed into late hours or doing more work than they should be doing. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Nice. Amazing. I don't know. I think we covered it. We did Colin, it. Colin, let us know. What do you think? Oh, striker. <laughs> well, and any of you can always send us a question, comment or suggestion to podcast at making movies If you like the show, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at MMIH podcast, YouTube at making movies as hard podcast. Thanks to our editor, Jeff Reimut for doing the editing. Thanks to our producer, Eric Toms for being awesome. Thanks to Robert Jones. I just keep on thinking his name is California. Uh, thanks to Robert Jones for doing all the amazing social media promotion and being another member of our team we're really grateful to you as well thanks to all of you for listening and talk to y'all next week Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.